I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com, coming to you live from the Palatial Franklin Estates in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, February the 14th, which, uh, if you believe in Hallmark holidays as a thing, uh, it's going to cost us at least one member of the crew uh, tonight, which we will get into momentarily. But yeah, we're going to talk about uh, a wild week, to say the least, in uh, in, in terms of uh, Virginia basketball. Uh, Cavaliers... <laughs> the, have everything on the platter uh can't hit enough shots against virginia tech get upset at home only for the next day to end up being the number one overall seed in the early projections by the committee and then on monday to become the number one team in america and then go on the road uh to coral gables and pick up a solid little road victory uh last night uh, against miami uh, we will talk about all of that and sort of where things go from here um, let's go around and introduce everybody for tonight. Everybody is, uh, one Justin Ferber up in Arlington. How are you, buddy? Get the ball inside, Virginia. <laughs> we should have warned people. Inside. That <laughs> God, sorry if I made anybody crash their car. Seriously. Can you imagine there's some, there's some person that Yo, was driving along and just swerved. I, I will say this and we'll get into this, but Brad is usually the more easily irritable of the two of us. I would say during games fair. about different things fair. not not not, very not fair. a not a uh, disparaging remark i'm just it's just an observation but very fair no very fair having said all that i i wanted to fight that guy <laughs> like <laughs> i i had about enough <laughs> at justin underscore ferber on twitter and i cannot believe you didn't lead the show off with uh number one by nelly Oh, well, you don't know that because, see, you can't oh, hear maybe. what I do. Yeah, maybe. maybe in post-production. Mm. No, it's not happening. Uh, Cavs Corner is also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for our in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. So let me ref- let me re- explain to the good people what the heck Ferber is talking about. Oh, uh, Dave is uh, is the member of the crew uh, otherwise occupied for the evening, um, which is kind of funny because last week I was like, oh, yeah, we'll have everybody back next week. <laughs> Best also, plans. I missed um, the show okay. for the first time in like two months, and they lost the game. So, I guess I'm never clearly it was your fault. Clearly, it's funny. I, we're we're going to talk about my sister here in a few minutes. Um, just because <laughs> somebody asked me on the board the other day, like you know, if I was a Virginia fan and if I grew up, you know, going to Virginia games, and I said some of my sister going to UVA, and I should have explained that she's one of. Uh, she doesn't listen to the podcast, so I could say stuff about her. Uh, she's one of the most, um, uh, like, I, like she's not. She's not just, um, she's not just somebody who believes in jinxes. She's not just somebody who believes that uh, that she has the power <laughs> to change the outcome. I mean, she's militant about it. Anyway, um, so Saturday night, there is a gentleman who is sitting. He wasn't very gentle. In the, I'm I'm being I'm I'm being kind. There was a gentleman who was seated. In what I would call the access seats, there's a row of access seats for folks who uh, might have disabilities or, or, yeah, exactly. There's a row of access seats behind uh, press row. So the way the way that press row in the in the crow's nest at at UVA sort of sort of works is there are rows of tables, typically um, what I would call home media so teams who folks who cover uva first then a row or so of uh, away media 
and then typically a row for for scouts or overflow and then behind that are those uh those seats behind the um that are essentially on the level um with uh the um what's the ice cream the little dots uh, dipping dots the future of ice cream dipping dots whatever. that that have been the future of ice cream for 30 years now anyway yeah i hope you didn't buy a lot of stock in dipping dots but i digress it is it, is, it has been very slow moving so as the as the game wears on i mean i figure he was there pretty early he started to yell exactly as Ferber did. Get the ball inside, Virginia! With that same, and he said it over and over. And Ferber is right. I am, how should I say this? I don't suffer fools very well. I don't, I don't like when like arena people tell me I can't do something I know I can do. I don't appreciate when folks uh, do things that are stupid. I, I can't handle it, okay? I just, there's something in my brain, and I don't take crap from anybody. Um, which I will keep that one story after the game to myself. Um, but this dude, I mean, he was a, clearly a, a, an old school Virginia fan and doing his best to help his team, he thought. And he just kept screaming, get the ball inside Virginia. Now, to his credit, he wasn't wrong. It was how he chose to express this sentiment and how uh, often uh, he chose to express his sentiment that was the problem. Listen, if you are sitting anywhere other than maybe the first two rows, nobody on the court can hear you. And he yeah, JPJ is pretty loud, and that just speaks to how loud this guy was. Like he was like ear, ear you know, ear shatteringly loud. Like usually we can't hear anyone specifically in the crowd where we are, but damn if we didn't hear that guy every possession. <laughs> yeah, it was it was uh, it was something. It was absolutely something. You know, and and as as a quasi fan, former fan, whatever, like I was on edge during the game. Like you know, it was a game that UVA wasn't playing very well. It was close, and that guy was just like, I was like to the point where I was like, you got to stop. Like you're just bringing bad karma to the team. Like <laughs> so much bad juju. And then of course they get the ball inside and they miss a shot undeterred. And that, the funny thing is, you know, at the end of the game, UVA ended up like 11 of 38 from three or whatever it was. But, I mean, like in the first half he was yelling at when they didn't really have, like they weren't really shooting that poorly. Like, yeah. The game, or like not enough to where you would think that it was like a systemic problem that they were shooting too many threes. But the dude was just after it, man. And I, I mean, mean it, you know, I'm all for passionate fans, but that dude, like, whew. And, and it's funny because it was like all of me – it took all of me and like all of you not to like say something to this guy. And I realized that Virginia had a very eventful week and we're, we're leading the podcast with a very niche kind of story here. But, um, all, I guess the end of this is going to be a PSA. Please don't be that fan. Like don't, if you're going to say you're going to scream very loud things, that's fine. Just don't say the same thing over and over again. My mom, when we go to basketball games when I was a kid, she would always yell, he's walking. Uh, anytime somebody traveled, which is not actually a call, but she man, she rode those south uh, south side district uh, referees something fierce on some walking calls. But um, so yeah, that that was uh, it's funny because like everybody on press row was like fed up with it, which is one of those things like if you get like like Mike Barber and Dave Teal uh, and, and like all those guys ready to to pounce on you, you're you're doing something. So it's not just uh, cantankerous old Brad. No, no, it was it was everybody else too. Okay. All right, it has to be one of the weirder weeks since we've definitely, certainly since we've been doing this podcast. Um, I would imagine in all, I mean, maybe Virginia losing to Chaminade was weirder, but um, 
it a very strange sort of TikTok of it all, right? The you know the Cavaliers end up losing to Tech the way that they lost. I mean, when they went up four, man, I I I thought it was done. Um, I thought for sure it was done. Um, after Zay made the second free throw, I was like, all right, that's 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 it. Um, I mean, that put them up five. Yeah, that yeah. So I mean, yeah. like sixty fifty six. I remember I turned around and looked at Caroline and 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 Brandon for some reason, and I'm pretty sure that I was then the jinx because you know, but to to lose to Tech to of all teams Tech and to lose the way they lost and then turn around in the next forty eight hours to be the number one overall seed in the pre um, in the early selections as well as get the number uh, one ranking in the country. I mean, has to be. Like, I don't know how you really put that in some sort of context. I mean, it is so outside the norm. Um, and certainly now that it's funny how quickly after the Tech game, I think folks started to slip back into the whole, uh, uh-oh, you know, mentality, right? And and being number one didn't really seem to alleviate that. Folks had a lot of fun with it that day, certainly. Um, you know, it was a, um, you know, it, it, it's one of those things, do do fans care about being number one? Sure they do. Do they, do they think that they have to be number one in order to, to make a deep run? I, who knows? Would, you know, a number one seed typically seems to help. Um, but maybe not always for, for UVA, but, um, it was a weird, uh, few days. And then to go down last night, I, I think the stress was there even, you know, in well into the second half, even when they were, they were leading. How, how do you kind of put the last week uh, in some sort of perspective, Ferber? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to put it in a lot of perspective, but, I mean, I, I, did we record? I guess I wasn't on the show last week after they beat Florida State, but, I mean, the way that that unfolded, and then at the same time Villanova lost to St. John's, and it seemed like everything was kind of coming up UVA's way, and it looked like, you know, they were a formality away from being number one. Um Tech is better than just a formality. I mean, they're not a team that's consistent enough, uh, for example, as we record this, and I'm sure when you listen to this, you know, it's already happened, but they were down like four a couple minutes ago in that game, and I just checked, and they're down 25 um, against Duke. So, I mean, they have a lot of defensive breakdowns throughout the season, and that's why I thought UVA would be able to handle them at home. Um, I mean, we saw it in the first game in Blacksburg. Uh, I watched a good deal of their games against um, Miami and Florida State recently in Blacksburg, and both of those teams lit them up at various times from three and, and got, got what they wanted on offense. And, you know, I think Buzz and his staff deserve some credit for for the effort that they played with, and obviously the defense that they, they, ran, they came out with um, gave UVA some problems for a few possessions. But honestly, I mean, it just it came down to UVA not making enough shots uh, and – you know, trying to put this whole thing in perspective, I don't think, you know, it, it, it's just what Tony's principle and his um, philosophy on, on life and basketball, it, it's it's true in the sense that, you know, you don't want to get too up and you don't want to get too down. Um, you know, the, the ups were really high. I mean, you know, coming off that Florida State win, it seemed like everybody was going to go to number one. Um, and, you know, the college game days in town and, Everybody's preparing for a beatdown of Tech for the second time this year on the way to number one, closing in on locking up the ACC. You know, that's about as high as you can get during the regular season. And then, you know, like they lose the game by one in overtime, even though they played, you know, easily, I think, their worst game of the season. Um, and and that 
result isn't reflective of this team either. I mean, that you can't that's not you can't make that like your everything either. You, you can't just assume that that is what UVA is going to be the rest of the season and, you know, it's all doom and gloom and they'll never be number 1 and um, all that stuff, and I thought it was funny, like, you know, Monday morning, I'm seeing all these people like, well, the polls don't really matter, but blah, 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 um, and then, like, as soon as they got number one, uh, they, they had a different opinion, um, but I understand that, and, and, you know, like, coming back and beating Miami on Monday after getting the number one, I think, shows some resolve and, you know, discipline, and I think they were fired up to play that game, um, especially on the defensive end after what I'm sure was, I don't want to say an embarrassing performance against Tech, I mean, Tech's not like that bad of a team. They're probably going to make the tournament, but or at least be on the bubble. But um, a performance that was uncharacteristic of how they normally would play, and I think they bounced back in a big way. But uh, we've talked about this on the podcast before. Um, the rankings are cool, and it's cool to be number one. Um, obviously, they were number two a few years ago, and so they've already done that. But um, to, I, I, like I said on Twitter when it happened, it's a uh, you know it's another milestone that that Tony has reached at UVA. Um, he's won the regular season two th- two times in in ACC play, and it's going to be a third, barring something absolutely shocking. Um, he's won an ACC tournament title, something that hadn't happened in like thirty something years, and you know just getting to the semifinals hadn't happened in you know more than twenty years, and um, and, and you know he's gotten the team to this two Sweet Sixteens and Elite Eight, um, so. He's put players in the NBA. He's had a Defensive Player of the Year and an ACC Player of the Year, um, a, a eventual Rookie of the Year in the NBA. So I think it's just a long line of accomplishments. But again, uh, you know, it's all well and good now. But we're sitting here on February fourteenth. There's uh, almost two months of basketball left to be played. So it'll be easier to put all of this in perspective once that you know happens. I'd agree with that. I, I think I want to I want to transition into sort of a um, a segment of the show. I want to talk about what's good and bad about Virginia basketball right now. And the reason being is that I, I think we all understand that Virginia, you know, was not uh, was not efficient enough, right, against the Hokies. Did not played played well enough defensively in the second half to win that game. Did not play well enough offensively to win that game. Um, I think we all understand that. Um, there are still some, um, when you watch this team, uh, Tuesday night against Miami, um, you, you, you definitely got a sense that there are some tired guys and they're going to get a week off, which is obviously much needed. And honestly, the way that the schedule sets up for UVA going into the last, um, little bit of the regular season is really nice actually. So they played last night. They will play again on the 21st and they'll play at home, uh, against Georgia tech. Then they will go on the road on the 24th to Pittsburgh, when they will uh, have a break for, uh, I believe, uh, six days. Um, they'll play the next Thursday uh, at Louisville, and then they'll close the season two days later against Notre Dame. So they have where they just played like seven games in 22 days. Now they're going to play four games in basically 20 days. Or, let's see, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. So four and 18. So rest is going to be uh, there for them. Um, they obviously have earned the double buy. Um, I, I want to kind of go back. Ba- I want to bounce back and forth here. And I don't, I'm not necessarily saying we have to choose like, what's the worst thing? What's the second worst thing? What, you know, what concerns you most, that kind of thing. But I kind of want to go back and forth to me. I would say the most concerning thing about this Virginia team is that, um, the post scoring situation is such that they have two pieces in the post offensively 
who are very good number twos, but they don't have anybody in the post who is a alpha in the post. And that's not something you're just going to magically come up with in the last, you know, uh, however many weeks of the regular season, uh, plus, you know, an ACC tournament. Um, the thing that I think they should do, and I kind of want to, I want to set this up so that when we, we say like, here's the problem, here's the fix, at least what with the talent they have. So clearly, you know, Virginia's not going to be a, a two, three zone team. Right. Um, so I want to be realistic. I think one of the things that, that struck me in the, during the Miami game was there are too many times where players are catching the ball and the bigs are catching a ball in a situation where they can't do anything with it other than sort of survey and pass. And they're, they're relying on, they're having to be relied on to get themselves closer to the basket, um, to be in a better position to score. So neither Zay or Jack Salt are going to be guys that you pump the ball into, uh, repeatedly. I think Salt actually of the two, uh, and this is going to be weird to say, but I actually think Salt of the two is the better option sometimes down low because he can at least create enough space for himself. Zay's problem is that he's not an elite athlete and he's also six foot, you know, what, seven and a half? I mean, he's, I don't, I don't have the, the book in front of me to see what he's listed at. But I think that as Virginia goes forward, the Cavaliers have to do a better job of understanding who they're throwing to. Too many times Zay does this thing where like he wants to try to dump it almost to his side on a bounce pass around a guy to Jack Salt, and that's just not going to be a pass that Jack is going to catch often. Um, they need to be mindful of where they're, they're, the bigs are catching, and I think they have to be cognizant of the fact that it does help them to get more touches, even if it's just to throw it in there so it can get kicked back out. Uh, I think that's 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 got to be a big focus for them. What are some of your uh, concerns for, for this team right now, Ferber? Yeah, I mean, it, it's not exactly like what you said, but we talked about it a little bit during the game last night. I just get this general sense um, – and I want to preface this by saying that things are going really well right now. So the things that we're talking about are not, you know, like silver. You know, they're not. It's not like not a smoking gun. You know, like right. Yeah, yeah. We're not. We're not. <laughs> yeah. We're not like saying, oh, this is this is why they suck. Like yeah, we're not doing, doing that. We're right. talking about like what what can they do to improve? Yep. Yeah, uh, but mine is basically I, I get this sense sometimes, and it's not always like this. A lot of times, it's actually the opposite. But when things go off script. Or when weird stuff happens, it feels like, and this has been a trend, I mean, this is not just this team, but previous Tony Bennett teams, I think sometimes when things go off script or, or you know, not a, you know, just, uh, they, they don't follow the, the typical UVA game plan, um, I think the team gets a little bit too, they think a little bit too much. It's like paralysis by analysis, uh, especially on offense. It's just a lot of like like there was a stretch during the beginning of the Miami or the uh, beginning of the second half against Miami where it looked like um, they were so worried about and this kind of is almost like a compliment because it's it's about good coaching they were so focused on getting a good shot or the best possible shot that nobody wants to shoot the ball like you know Dev is like passing up a wide open three to somebody who's covered and then. You know, like a ball comes back and they get a much worse shot. Like, I, I think sometimes they're so focused on, like, I don't want to be the guy that takes the bad shot that makes this 0 for 4 run become an 0 for 5 run and, you know, get Miami back within one instead of four. Somebody has to end the drought. And um, I, I think that there's a couple guys on this team that are, are not afraid to shoot, and that's awesome. But sometimes I feel like there's just too much thinking going on, and it's, uh, I mean, 
at the end of the game, you saw what's great about Virginia basketball when they when they can make the extra pass, especially against the zone. It led to those big plays with Hunter uh, coming through the lane uh, against Miami zone. But um, I think sometimes, you know, like the Tech game, Tech starts burying these threes, and they're all, a lot of them are contested looks, and, and you kind of just have to tip your cap and keep playing. But it seems like on the offensive end, when they don't get stops, that they're kind of like out of rhythm on offense, and it allows the opposing defense to kind of like extend their pressure pretty much to half court. And that doesn't allow them to get all the way into their sets and start moving around the blockers. And I just feel like when things get a little bit off kilter, they kind of all start looking at each other like, "What are we? What, you know, what are we doing?" Um, and part of that is because of the the system that Tony runs. It's like very regimental. You run the same defense on every possession with very little changes. Um, you know what to expect. You're not crashing the glass. You're not running the break. You're not stopping other teams really running the break because they're not able to. So then it's like, you know, you're so used to everything being the same all the time. The sets are very similar. And then it's like once you get taken out of that rhythm, how do you respond? And for the most part, I will give them credit. They have responded. Um, I mean, they've they've shaken off some sketchy moments against Florida State and, you know, even maybe last night a little bit against Miami and in other games. But I think against Virginia Tech, part of what happened was they just – Tech started to make plays, and then it just threw everything out of whack. One thing I like about this team, and we'll, I, I kind of want to go back and forth because I don't want to make, make it sound like an a, a airing of grievances or a sort of segment. One thing I really like about this team, you mentioned it, fighting through the adversity. It's, it's kind of crazy to me that, that Virginia got itself back in that game against Tech and then had itself in a position to win it. And that's been a thing they've done all season long. Like, even in games where they haven't had their fastball, even in games where the other team has played well, even in games where they've had some adversity strike, right? Um, when they couldn't hit the broad side of a barn, they still managed to, to, to still be in a game, to be in a position to, to put themselves um, you know, in the driver's seat. Now, granted, that one game, they didn't, they didn't close it out. Um, but if you think about it, even in games where they've, tra- they've trailed, they, they still haven't, uh, they haven't let themselves get sort of put out of a game. And I think that's an important trait. Um, I, I think that part of part of the, the idea of um, why successful people are successful is because you get into a routine of doing it. We talk about that a lot on the football side, right? That it, it takes a while to get the losing out of your system, that you sort of have to teach yourself how to win. These kids know how to handle that, and they know how to handle the moments, which is, I think, part of why they were so pissed about the way that they lost that game. Um, because it was right there, they had fought, they got themselves in a position, and then they sort of let it slip away. And it's weird to say that they let a steal of a game, because we all know that, right? Tech sort of outplayed them. I don't agree that Tech outcoached them, but I'll, I'll, I'll say I thought Tech, you know, in a lot of spots outplayed them, and yet they were in a position to steal the game, and they sort of let that slip away. It's very weird, right, the idea that you let slip away a chance to steal a game, right? Because stealing a game in and of itself seems to imply certain things. I like that this team has a very uh, is a is a is varied, right? Like they are they are very good at figuring out what to do to get over some whatever hump it is at in that game. So like the other night, yeah, they didn't hit enough shots outside, but they hit uh, they hit a couple timely ones. Um, DeAndre Hunter hit one, Devin Hall hit one. Um, you know, against Miami, they they needed to figure out how to slow down Chris Likes, which you know is sort of meta, considering how much you know 
on our site and on, on our podcast, we talked about that kid. Um, and they did it. Um, and so I think that one of the, one of the benefits of this, one of the things that they will benefit from this season as they go forward is that they, they do have an assortment of tricks, uh, in the, of tools in the bag, so to speak, that they can pull out. And I, and I think that their ability to, to manage themselves and not let the game sort of get away from them. That tech game is the first time this season where I thought they let the moment dictate what they were going to do versus then sort of dictate to the moment what it was going to be. Um, but I also think that they were still getting the shots that they're used to getting. Uh, some of them they just weren't necessarily in the right position uh, to make. Give me something that uh, that you like about this team, Ferber. Uh, I like DeAndre Hunter a lot. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about Dre for a little bit. Yo, um, you know, Dave Dave isn't here, but Dave was on the, the DeAndre Hunter is going to be in the NBA very soon hype train, like very early. Um, and now he's starting to get mentioned in like mock drafts for next year. So I don't think UVA fans have anything to worry about with him leaving now. But um, yeah, I mean, I get why. I was talking to a friend about this who who told me, you know, he's like, I haven't watched a lot of college basketball this year, but I watched this game. And who the hell is this number twelve guy? And why do they run zone against UVA? And I was starting to think about it, and I was like, why do they run zone against UVA? Syracuse, obviously, that's what they do. They're not going to change, but. Like, I don't mm. understand why Miami thought that would be beneficial to them. Like, the UVA, it wasn't like UVA was, like, pounding them inside and they couldn't guard off the dribble. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, against the 2-3 zone, the way you beat it is with extra passes and threes. That's what UVA does. Or you put a guy in the middle that can score either from the free throw line or get to the rim. And that's what, they have a guy that can do that. So why, what do you, what did, like, why are teams running zone against UVA? I don't get it. I would I would answer by saying that I think teams run zone against UVA because it takes away the blocker mover and it put and it and essentially yeah. renders everybody right, exactly stationary. it renders the yeah. screening obsolete and it puts it puts the defensive guys at least if they at least if they have to defend Dre they know where he's going to catch and they know where they have to defend the problem with the blocker mover especially as well as UVA runs it with with Kyle and Devin is that you're not sure. Uh, which guys are going where and where the screen's going to be. And I'm going to tell you what, Jack Salt hunts a screen like most shooters hunt shots, and it's a, it's a beautiful thing to watch. But I, I do think you're going to see teams maybe not necessarily go true like 2-3 sort of zone, but I could definitely see teams playing a lot of 1-3-1 stuff just to keep just to muddy up the water. Um, yeah, now 1-3-1 against UVA's offense might might be good, but you're just susceptible to right, corner threes. Right, right. Um, I mean, like, you know, the one th- at least you have a guy in the middle there instead of just giving him 13 footers. Like, I mean, they're, Miami's honestly just lucky that he missed a bunch in the first half. Was because, he 3-10 at the half? Yeah, like he, he, he came back and got the same looks and made them. So, I mean, I, I give him credit for bouncing back from a rough shooting half and not deferring to his teammates. A lot of guys do that. You know, you, you're not the first you don't fall, and you're like, you know what, I'm not going to become a black hole. I'm going to try to get the ball out. But, you know, he trusted himself. He, he made a big, big play um, in the second half. I can't remember. I want to say he got to yeah, the Yeah, he rim. did. They had cut it yeah. to three, and he, he got it back up to five. He, and they had, you know, a pretty long scoring drought at that point, and he ended it. But um, that one, uh, he made a big three at one point. Uh, obviously, he kind of took over once they got the lead to ten or so. I mean, they, he was unstoppable, but... That guy, I mean, he's exactly what you need. He's tall enough to where he can he can you know get to the rim over the big man at the at the base of the zone, 
um, and get you know he gets fouled quite a bit uh, compared to some of his teammates. I think, uh, especially at the rim, like shooting fouls, mm-hmm. and um, you know he can dunk the ball, he can get to the rim, he can make that 12, 13 footer. And it seems to me like teams are conceding it to him a lot because they know he can get to the rim, and he's just he, if he knocks those down, teams are going to be in a lot of. What's trouble. What's really interesting to me about Dre. Well, first off, before I, before I leave this, he was... Uh, and he's an excellent defender. I don't want to... Yeah, no him. doubt. He's an awesome defender. In the first player. half, Dre was 3 of 10 from the floor at 7 points, which means he finished 8 of 16, all right? Which means he was 5 of 6 from the floor in the second half and on 15 points. I mean, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty good stuff. 3 of 3 at the free throw line. He rebounded. He did a little bit of everything. I, what I find interesting about Dre specifically and the addition he um, – and the, and what his, what his addition to this team does for them is he almost kind of gives them a, a dribble drive option even though he's not necessarily a guard – like a, he's not like Chris likes, right? Like if Virginia had a Chris likes who they could spread the spread things out, uh, and and kind of go to the go to the go to the rack, that which is I think what a lot of people, myself included, kind of thought maybe Nigel Johnson could do in spots, and he hasn't been able to do that much, mainly because he hasn't really gotten consistent minutes, and then typically there's some sort of weird, um, there's always some sort of weird combination of uh, of lineups whenever he's in, but but what it's like he's playing off the ball, a yeah. Lot. Um, what what Dre I think brings to the table is he's able to to give them an option on that elbow because that he that elbow jumper he has he hits it probably you know sixty percent of the time and you you have to get out and defend him and I think Virginia does a nice job with the way that they run the action around him now where they give him room to work and it's funny how like you're if if you're a guard you might not you're they're not going to spread the floor and let you go one on one with a guy. Um, and and take him off the bounce from the from the three point line, but where Dre catches it, yeah, you got plenty of room to work because there's a whole lot else going on if if the team's in man. Um, I think, I mean, we've been saying for a long time that Dre was this, was the difference between this team being really good and this team being special. And when he brings his when he brings that a game when he's really on, um, he, I mean, I don't want to say he's like unstoppable, but he is certainly a huge benefit to this team. And I, I don't think that Virginia necessarily needs to change up like the starting lineup or anything like that, but I do think it wouldn't be a bad idea for them to try to get him more minutes. He played 30 uh, last night. Um, it, he played, what, uh, I want to say 14 in the first half, 16 in the second half. Um, if, you could get, if you could get him up to 32, 33, um, you know, I don't know where those minutes come from, but I do think that the more he plays, I, I understand why Tony sometimes struggles with letting him be the four because at times defensively, if he's on a big, he can get or or especially if he's on like a wing, um, and not let's just say if he's if he's on a guy who's dribbling, he's fine. But when he's got to track somebody, you know, um, elbow to elbow, right, coming off screen. Yeah, I mean, stuff, he did lose a guy. That's that's yeah, that's his guy. that's his issue, and I think that's the thing you're going to have to watch with him as they go forward. Is what kind of matchup does he get? Um, that's going to dictate a lot of you know how much he stays on the floor because you can't really take um, you know you depending on who you're playing. If you go, let's say they go um, guard, 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 Dre, big, right? Whether it's Jack or Zay or Mominy. All right, now you're asking him to guard probably a, to check a, a guy who's probably bigger than he is. Now let's say that other team goes guard, and with that, so they go four guard instead of that 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 second forward. All right. 
is that guy a three-point shooter? Does he dominate the ball? Does he does he handle the ball? And if he doesn't, can you put Dre on a guy who does? Because man, when he's on a dude who dribbles the ball, he's he's a, a completely different beast. It's it's almost like he's so much more comfortable doing that, and it's where he really shines. And so, like, if you could get him into a situation like that, it's a I think a big positive. Um, let's start. Let's go back to you, Ferber. Give me one more thing about this team that concerns you as they go forward. Oh man, uh, probably just the minutes for the starters. Um, I think that this week is going to be good just to get them some rest. And I'm not somebody that usually gets too bent out of shape about minutes, especially for guys that are key contributors. Obviously, those are the guys that you lean on to to get it done. So. I mean, I understand why they play a significant amount of time. And honestly, I think part of what's happened recently was that UVA has dug themselves these first-half deficits, and then they've had to lean on Kyle and Ty and Devin to kind of dig them out. Because Tony, I feel like if he goes to the bench, or at least this is what he's thinking, you know, it's only going to get worse. Or, you know, like you have a situation like what happened on Saturday where Nigel comes in and, uh, you know, like he was on the court for that 17-0 run, and then he feels like he can't you know, go back to him because obviously something wasn't right there. Um, but, and, and obviously that was his first game back from, from being out for three games. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it can add up on you in the postseason when games are back-to-back, um, like in the ACC tournament or every other day in the NCAA tournament, especially against really athletic teams that make you work like UVA does to other teams. Um, and, you know, it can it can have a cumulative effect. It, you look what happened on Saturday. I mean, Devin, I don't know how many minutes he played, but I bet it was 40-plus. Um, and, you know, he misses two big free throws at the end. And free throws are as tied to fatigue as anything else, especially for good shooters. Um, you know, shooting free throws when you're really tired is not like shooting free throws when you're not tired. Um, so I, th- I think that probably had an impact, um, obviously small sample size. But it would be nice to see them get some rest at times. Um I hope that they'll keep going to Nigel. Uh, like you said, DeAndre maybe you know gets gets some more minutes here and there. They get a little experimental with the lineups. Maybe you know uh, maybe throw Marco Anthony in the game more. I mean he played pretty well in the Louisville game, and I believe he played a little bit at Florida State. Um, but I mean I don't see any reason why he can't play a few minutes every game. Uh, and if they can do that, then I think that they can you know help themselves down the road and also get those guys some good experience before. You know, they, you know, you have a guy go out with two, three fouls early in the first half. You know, you might have to play Marco Anthony in a, in a tournament game or a conference tournament game. So right. it's good to get guys experience like that while you can. And then, I mean, the schedule they have down the stretch, Georgia Tech, Pittsburgh, uh, at Louisville, which will be tough, and then Notre Dame at home. And I think they'll have some chances to maybe get away from teams and get some more rest. I also wonder, um, I had this thought last night. Um, or was that today as, as we as we were all texting? I, I wonder if once if let's what's the scenario again, Ferber? If if UVA if if Clemson loses, like if Clemson loses tonight, which you know, obviously if you're listening to this tomorrow, that already happened. Yeah, they're in overtime they're right in now. Overtime. Um so if if Clemson were to lose and then Virginia beats Georgia Tech, does that clinch it? Yes. Well, Clemson okay. just needs to lose one of the next two. They, they're finishing up against Florida State right now, and um, and then they have Duke on Sunday at home. So okay. if they lose one of those next two, then it's a wrap. If they don't, then they have Virginia Tech and Blacksburg on Wednesday. So theoretically, mm-hmm. UVA could clinch it then if Clemson loses, or 
UVA just needs to get to 15 wins, if nothing else. So. Okay, so basically Clemson loses again. Virginia beats Georgia Tech. It's over. Right. If that's, I, I mean, that, and then you got Pitt. So, like, if it comes down yeah. to that game, then then you got to like your chances. Right. So I'm thinking if, if that's a scenario, right, does Tony continue to, to just play as is or does he try to get some guys some extra minutes? And I don't want to say necessarily, like, um, you know, get out there and start experimenting. But in terms of, you know, like, it's not a big deal to ride – you know, guys like Hall and, and Wilkins who have played a lot of minutes. I, I mean, Diakite played seven minutes last night. If he if he could play 15 down the stretch, you know, and I understand trying to add trying to find minutes for Diakite and for Hunter, extra minutes for both of them is, is going to be tough. But I think you could shave some of Zay's minutes down. Like if you could pull – he played 32 last night, right? If you, could, if you could shave that down to 24 – or excuse me, 28 and shave Salt's minutes from 20 to 16 – Right, so that's eight extra minutes, right? That that I mean, like, and I know that some of this is is dictated by a lot more than just what you hope to do, but I think you're right. I, I do think the minutes thing. I, I did not think that Kyle was missing shots because he was tired. I thought Kyle was just missing shots because he was off, um, and he only really needs one. And I think he forced a few, and he's you know he 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 admitted as much after the game. My other my other concern about this team uh, is. I think some of the stuff that they run, and you you sort of alluded to this a little bit, uh, some of the stuff that they run offensively is very predictable. Um, there was a moment in the Tech game where you said Tony called a play. He did a motion, and Buzz immediately turned to his his bench, as if to say, "What's the you know what's this?" And the bench told him. Yeah, he basically asked, so his, then, asked, asked an assistant coach what the hand motion that Tony made means. And Tony right. uses it all the time. It's the two hands uh, back two and hands forth. Two hands by the side. It means it's called it, – they call it play slats. It's when the guys come off the screen to go up, like towards the top yeah. of the key. I mean, it's a pretty basic play they run all the time. Now, I realize – And then he called his defense from that. <laughs> like Right. So I realized that, that at this point in the ACC – People know your stuff. They know your calls. They they've scouted you. I'm not trying to say that Virginia shouldn't be scoutable. Okay, I'm not saying that. But what I do mean is that like a lot of what you see Virginia do is just the same thing over and over again. And I'm not necessarily saying that's bad, but it wouldn't be a bad thing for them to sometimes have a little bit more that they can sort of rely on. And I guess part of it is is that teams teams understand that if they play aggressively and just man you up like they're up in you uh that takes virginia's rhythm away and that rhythm is so important you know um you know um you watched you watched guy and and jerome the other night i mean they're like two sides of the same coin they're like freaking frack i mean they're they just they're 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 so linked together and and you very rarely ever see one of them having a good game when the other one is having a poor game. Like it almost seems like they kind of um, they kind of go in the same direction. Um, I'm not saying that they necessarily need more variation or that Virginia has to have more variation. I just think that it would be it would be a benefit for them if they could at times do things a little bit different um, because I do think that they have more offensive firepower than they have necessarily always utilized um you know I, I think you could do a lot more ball screen stuff for example um especially if you're um you know if you're using hunter as the as a screener um i would really be interested to see what you could do uh if you space the floor correctly uh and had kyle coming off 
you know, if Kyle was the uh, was the was the handler, uh, and you forced a and you forced a, somebody to decide whether or not they were gonna um, hedge or they were gonna switch. Uh, and I, I, I mean, that sort of also goes back to my whole, you know, I don't think Virginia always does a good job of looking for mismatches. They Like, if, when's the last time you saw a, a guy pick up a third foul and Virginia go at that guy? That's very rare. You know what I mean? Like, that, and that's sort of be more, be more sort of maybe aggressive offensively. Um, Ferber, why don't you give me one more uh, positive uh, as we close out this little segment? Give me one more positive about, uh, about this team right now. Um, let's see. It's just so down right now. I mean, there's just not that much good to talk about. Um, <laughs> I mean, the defense, obviously, as a whole, has been awesome. I mean, even in the Tech game, they had 49 points at the end of regulation. UVA held them to 16 in the second half. And, and usually, I mean, if they scored 24 points in the second half, that would have been enough to win the game. So, I, I mean, I don't think we've seen them play a defense at this level in in the Tony Bennett era. I, I don't have a specific thing to, to point to. Other than Ty and Kyle have gotten much much better from last year uh, at everything involved in defense. You know, moving laterally. You know, knowing where to be, all that stuff. And um, if they can do that at you know in March, then they'll be in a position to win any game. Just because teams aren't going to be able to get away from them. I mean, the Florida State and Virginia Tech games where I think I mean. W might have gotten it to 10 at one point, but those are the first two games this season that they've had double-digit deficits. So, um, And that in itself is insane. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, that's a pretty obvious one, but it gives, you know, if your offense is struggling, at least it gives you an opportunity to kind of hang in the game for a while and get your get it, get it right, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I, I think I think that's a good point. I mean, it, I think the defense is such a is such a like known commodity that we don't talk about it enough. Like we don't really. I, I mean, I think people appreciate it, but I don't think we talk about it. Last night, uh, the Lawrence kid was Miami's leading scorer. He went zero for seven from the field, made two free throws, finished with two points. Lonnie Walker is a five star kid who is their second leading scorer. He went two of eight from the field, finished with six points. Now, granted, Chris likes, you know, he got loose. He he scored nineteen, but that's still a team that that typically gets a lot of contributions from from two dudes who basically were like non-existent in that game. Um, they shot as a team thirty-eight percent from the field, twenty-eight point six from three. I thought Virginia just sort of. Um, the, the 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 people who sort of describe them as a boa constrictor. That's exactly what they did, and that's a thing that like you've seen them do. Like you've seen, you've seen them be that so consistently so for for so long that I think you can you, you can um you know you can count on it. They're seven and zero on the road in the ACC, which is kind of incredible uh, if you think about it. I, I think Pitt is still looking for its first road win on the road. If their first win on the road since like twenty twelve or some nonsense like that. Um, I saw some ridiculous stat the other day that against was, a ranked team. Oh yeah, okay. Um, all right, we are clearly going to talk a lot about basketball uh, coming up over the next uh, the next few weeks, a couple months, what have you. Ferber and I will be in Brooklyn for the ACC tournament, where Virginia will have that double bye. Uh, it's time for the uh, fifth side of the ball. So um, why don't you uh, why don't you discuss? Why don't you tell the people what our our fifth side of the ball uh, topic is this week, Ferber. Yeah, this will be a pretty easy one. Um, I'm assuming most people have seen them, but uh, it appears 
uh, from social media. We don't know if they're finalized yet, but it appears that UVA's new football uniforms have leaked through all of the recruiting pictures that we saw from the last few days. So I, I thought they were awesome. I guess if you can't see them, then you need to go look at them. But uh, Cavs Corner, I believe, tweeted it out or retweeted one of the recruits that had a picture of it. So And it's in the Ben Smiley article, out. actually, too. Yeah. But basically, it kind of looks exactly like what we were thinking. It's a more modern version of what they've been wearing the last few years. Um, we haven't seen the white jersey yet, but uh, I'm sure it'll look very similar. I like the new, more modern number look. And I'm a huge fan of the helmet with the two stripes instead of three. I never thought I would be into that sort of thing, but it looks really cool. Um, what did you think? Did you have a take? My take was that it was exactly what I was kind of hoping for. Now, if if folks remember last, like I want to say last August, the the rumbling started that they were going to have new uniforms next season, um, and so there was some some talk uh, uh, among various folks. Uh, about what that might be. I know you, we talked about it. I'm not sure if we talked about it on a podcast or not, but the idea being that like, uh, we really liked what Bronco had done with the BYU uniforms. And we were curious which way they could go here. I think it's interesting. That's the second time, right? That they've sort of all, but like leaked the, the design. Yeah. They're not very good about getting it out in a way that's like accessible to fans, like on YouTube. Yeah. With Ursa. I mean, they, well, did no, do but those, like, they, they did those reveals last year, but it was after everybody had already seen them. Anybody that had was, Twitter or anything. Yeah. And it was like, and, it, and like, this is very Zapruderish, right? Like, you're sort of like, you know, you're blowing the thing up, trying to see, you know, you're I mean, we kind of stumbled recruits. across this. Well, because I saw I saw Ben Smiley's original tweet, and I was like, "Well, that's different in the background because the font on the number was a little bit different." In the and the I believe the it was a it was the blue jersey, and the check is like orange. Um, and I was and then I noticed the helmet, and so we started talking about and it. The and pants so I re- are different. Yeah, and so like I mean, we all you know we're all curious about it. I, I think that my take on it is I, I really like what I see. I want to see more. Um, and I want to know, it sounds like from the way that they talked about the jerseys this year and stuff, brand, um, what do they call it? Like they were basically like, they wanted to stick with the white helmet because that's going to be their helmet. And then maybe they'll do some special. Yeah. Stuff, I mean, but they're they not were trying to like the... build a brand or whatever. And, and I, that's what I was trying to say. I was like, I bet you their primary home uniform will be white, blue, white, because if they're going to build a brand, why would they abandon it in a year? Um, and clearly they like that look because they wore it every game. So. Yeah, I like it a lot. Uh, I'm a big fan. And yeah, it's if not that's like what they over the do, top, but it's it's more modern looking than what they had. I like the shoulder sleeves uh, stripe. Yeah, the things. shoulder sleeves with the stripe. Yeah, those are nice. I mean, I'm still not. A, I'm not a huge like numbers and V sabers on the helmet. Both kind of guy. Like, I'm okay if if they have uh number. I, I mean, the numbers on the helmet make more sense now that the numbers um, aren't going to be on the shoulders. If I'm correct, yeah. The but the only shoulder? problem I have now is like with the more modern number look. Maybe it's just OCD, but like I, I don't like it when the number on the helmet is mm-hmm. like a plain number, and then the number on the jersey and then is no, a yeah, different. The, the font don't match. Yeah, it's like a different yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm the same way. But overall, yeah, I mean, way. I think they're an upgrade. I'm assuming we'll get names on the back again um, with the home jersey. So. That'll be cool. I mean, like I said, we haven't seen the white one. We don't know if these are prototypes, but they seem real. Um, They look very legit. All the coaches, when people started to kind of see, oh, new uniforms, they kind of retweeted those people and stuff. So I think it's it's real. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, maybe they're a prototype and and they're going to throw us a curveball down the road. But, uh, yeah, it was was an interesting way to to kind of let that cat out of the bag. And to do it in a time like, I, I mean, look, look. 
folks who you're if you're listening to this podcast chances are you're you're a member of a recruiting website like it's obvious that uh that that recruits really like uh they really like this jersey thing and that's not going to stop i mean one of the first things ben smiley told me you know about his visit that he really liked is that he got to try on the jerseys um you know he really enjoyed it like that's a good thing yeah i mean i guess we shouldn't spend too much time on it but it sounds like they had a really productive junior day so yeah they did and i and and those stories will continue to sort of roll out and i think it'll be interesting to see as quickly as they can to see who all comes back um for visits and uh build some stuff for the spring but um, I think that's a, a good place to put a pin in it. Like I did last week. I want to, um, I want to thank everybody out there who, uh, if you found this podcast, uh, by chance, um, because you, uh, search around on iTunes or excuse me, Apple podcast now, or where have you, and, uh, you're not a subscriber to the website, give us a look. We caught up with a bunch of the junior day visitors. We've got stories on Ben Smiley and Jalen Jones already run. Um, obviously we, we will cover the crap out of the basketball team. We're rolling out our forecast. Uh, series which breaks down position by position um, going into spring ball uh, if on the other side you are a subscriber to the website uh, first thank you for the support but also to give us a, a, a review uh, it's always helpful to the show to have folks who go um, whether it's apple or um, google or spotify or wherever you get your podcast uh, go um, go give a review because that actually helps for more people to see it and certainly helps for um, for folks who maybe are interested and then they go check it out and they want to see the bona fides. Um, so if you do that, I really would greatly appreciate it. I want to say thanks again to Ferber for giving gracious, graciously of his time. As always, I really do appreciate uh, that because I know you, you know you have like a real job too. Um, so yeah, um, we will catch up with you guys next week. So for uh, Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.